the Jaguars actually do something on day two of the negotiation period. We'll talk about it in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. You are Locked on Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. A quick reminder that wherever you get your podcast, we are free on all platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Any new listeners, welcome to the Locked On Jaguars podcast. If you've heard that, then you're not new anymore. All right. Once you hear me say that, you're not new anymore. So come on in. You're more than welcome to hang out with everyone else. There's no tenure. There's no rank. We're all the same here on Locked On Jaguars. Um, real quick, news of the day. It was always the Jags. And what I mean by that is anyone who knows where that came from, it came from Andrew Wingard, affectionately known in Duval as Dewey. Resigned today. Three-year deal. Averages at about $3 million per year so the backup safety and special teams and then he's really he's a special teams guy but he's also really someone who has been able to grab moments just grab and take advantage of moments and really over the last year has endeared himself to jaguar fans so uh, there was a lot of chatter is the dewey era over it is not he is coming back, which is the theme that we're going to talk about today, and that's keeping everybody together. The Jags, Trent Baalke didn't lie to you. When Trent Baalke got up and him and Doug Peterson spoke at the Combine and they said the days of the Jaguars spending big and free agency are over, they were right when they said that they believe they have a good group and they're going to keep them together. They were right again, with the exception of offensive tackle Juwan Taylor, who got a monstrous deal yesterday in uh, for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Four years, $80 million, $60 million guaranteed. $75 million of his contract is guaranteed. And there's some talk that the Patriots, uh, I'm sorry, the Chiefs are going to move him to left tackle. That's the talk, although they are in discussions also to try to get Laramie Tunsil, uh, allegedly, from the Houston Texans, but we'll see. But I want to talk about that, too. I want to talk about the Jags overthinking it. So we'll hit that in segment three. Because, you know, when the Chiefs do something, everybody knew that Juwan Taylor, if the Bears, let's just say if the Bears or the Colts had signed Juwan Taylor to that big deal, everyone would be like, yeah, we weren't going to match that one. Well, they're still saying that. We're not going to match that money. We're not going to match that money. But it would be viewed as much more of a mistake if those teams, because those teams are, to be honest, they're always losing and always making bad decisions. Well, when the Chiefs do it, we can't say that. There are still people saying that's just too much money. They overpaid for them. Look, we have often, and I have often here on this show, talked about Brett Veach and the entire staff and Borgonzi and all of those guys and Bradway and how, the Chiefs organization is structured. We brag about Andy Reid. We always talk about how they're just the model of consistency from 
top to bottom. They know exactly what they want and when they want it and how they want it. We can't just reverse now. I know I can't reverse now and just all of a sudden go, yeah, but that was a mistake because the Jaguars didn't do something that the Chiefs did or the Jaguars didn't see something that the Chiefs did, which is that they're going to move him possibly to even left tackle the same way that they did Orlando Brown Jr. Did the Chiefs make an observation about one of the Jaguars players that the Jaguars didn't even make? I don't know. I don't know if it's all going to happen, but all I can tell you is this. I am not going to sit around here and second guess the organization that I have been bragging about for months. So they're not even months, years. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, hey, and I was a proponent of bringing back Jawan Taylor. And I know a lot of people out there saying 20 million a year is too much. So what is 18? Not what about 18? Did they even offer him 18 and tell him that you could save the other 2 million on income state income taxes? Would you have offered Jawan Taylor more money if you didn't have Walker Little? If your answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, is Walker Little good enough for you to not keep Jawan Taylor? How important is Trevor Lawrence to you? How important is him being upright to you? Um, there's a lot of layers to that question. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Dewey Wingard, though. It was always the Jags. Dewey Wingard, one of the staples of the culture of the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least this past year, resigned, got a three-year deal with a little bit over $3 million. Um, lots of other movement around the league that does not involve Jacksonville. So one of my questions is, and we're going to talk about in segment three, did they overthink it or have they overthink it or did they have they overthunk it? Really? I warned a few weeks back. It may have been as much as a month. I got to find the actual podcast that I did, but that if the Jags weren't going to be big time movers and shakers in free agency, and I'm not talking about the way that they did the last couple of years. I'm talking about maybe just get one or two impact people and then using a the draft to really, really hone in and focus on what you're trying to do. That it would mean that we would all be, I'm not going to say prisoners. I think that's the wrong, that that's the wrong. Our football future depends on Trent Baalke's ability to evaluate talent. That and that only. If they're not going to sign guys in free agency, then this all falls on the scouting department. And this all falls on this organization to have, just like I brag about the Chiefs, this organization was going to have to have a, a message from top all the way down to the bottom, to the very last scout. They were going to have, have a clear message, and it has to include Doug Peterson, a clear message on who they are and what exactly they're trying to accomplish and who they want to accomplish it with a culture, a style. So I'm wondering if that's a mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake. And, I, and I'm not going to sit here and call it a mistake when I don't know if it's going to be a mistake. I don't know if it's something that they're going to look back on and go, ouch. I know he has a pretty good track record over the last two years when people say a broke clock is right twice a day. But depending on that and that alone and they were forced to do it a little bit because of the salary cap situation but i don't know man i really don't know if they're like overthinking it and and not making a move i'll give you a hint 
about some stuff in segment two. I'm going to mention some players that we did not know who the hell they were before the Jaguars signed. Well, I sort of did, but the average person didn't, and nobody was uh, bringing these guys' names up before free agency over the last couple of years. And it turns out that I'm going to name three players that are three of the better players. Uh, well, two of them are two of the better players on the team, and one guy we're still waiting on a little bit. But it just shows you the surprise aspect of scouting and folks who actually do this for a living, like the names on their list and the people that they're going to target for whatever reason they're going to target them from for are much higher and, and a lot different than the list that you see when you look things up online or when um, when you look at the list, the names on lists. So we'll make sure that we get to all of that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. But first, I have to let you know about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel is the sponsor of today's show, and I could not be happier to be associated with FanDuel because I've been a FanDuel guy for an awful long time, and now they are here with us on the Locked on Jaguars and the Locked on Podcast Network. It's a little bit past the midway of the NBA season, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because of the new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super, super easy. NBA is hot and heavy, man. I can honestly tell you I have no idea who's going to win the championship, right? And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You are partners right here with us on Locked On Jaguars because it's your team every day and we appreciate you making us your first listener. Now, I'm going to mention some players real quick before we get to the are they overthinking it segment in segment three. Other teams are getting better and improving and moving around. So the one thing that, that I said was, okay, the Jaguars aren't going to hit them heavy with these big names early. But what they will do, I believe, is they'll wait until free agency has already gotten itself moving see what's out there on the bargain list if it fits their needs and maybe pluck one or two guys before the draft and then come back later on in uh, the second phase in the second wave of free agency and and get a couple of players that can help the team the problem with that is i assume that all the big names would go first and then what would happen is there would be the B and C guys that are left and remaining. That's not true. A lot of teams that came out of the, the gate yesterday with their wallet and their checkbook and their pen ready to go and their credit card ready to go, they got guys that you expect would not get offers on the first day. There are a lot of players around the league that are the infrastructural types, that are the, the guys who are supplementary players, guys that they help your team, but they didn't cost a lot of money. A lot of players off the board like that. Teams actually knew who they wanted and how they wanted, and they didn't use this 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 fake priority system that I had in my head that teams would use. So 
the question is, is how does that play out for the Jaguars? It's some of these guys that they thought were going to be around get deals early, even though they're not blockbuster deals. And this wait and see approach that they screw up because there's a lot of big name players out there who think they're going to get a lot of money that are still out there on the free agency board. And that's not the way the Jaguars wanted to go. Maybe it might work out in their favor a little bit that they'll be able to get some of these names later on for less, but I don't think it's going to work out like that. I think these, these dudes are going to end up where they're supposed to end up getting what they want to get. But teams are just really, really focused on familiarity. There's been so much turnover in the last year. And even today, even this year, that what you see are you see a lot of teams specifically like look look at Sean uh, Sean Payton Sean Payton goes to Denver, and I believe him and the GM probably looked at the tape and said they they're not tough, and they're not physical, because what did they do? They got tougher and physical on offense, and they go on one move people around. They signed two offensive linemen, and then they signed Chris Manhurts, who was a people mover. Right, that's what he is. He's a blocker. So. It points to the level of physicality that they probably think that they need to get to under Sean Payton. And Sean Payton was one of those coaches that for years folks wanted him to be in charge of the Jaguars. Well, you see what he's doing. He's spending money on the first day. And he spent it all getting guys that look like they, they can help you out of a tight squeeze. So what did the Jaguars do last year and the year before? When they came out in free agency a year before and they signed Jamal Agnew, people were saying, what? This kick returner who used to be a DB or a wide receiver or a running back, what? why did you go get that guy and give him 20-some-odd million dollars over three years? He's one of the best signings that they've had, and he's one of the best special teams players in the NFL. But none of us really were focused on him. And I want to be honest with you. I do this for a living, and I didn't know who the hell it was when they did it. And I had no idea that they were going to go out and get someone like that. Just this past season, they signed Foley Fadukazi. I had no idea who he was other than the fact that I thought I'd heard of him when I was watching Quentin Williams, but he got a huge deal for about 15 million per. And then Foley, I mean, Foyer Oluwakan, who led the league in tackles two years ago, did it again this year with the Jaguars, but I only heard of Deion Jones when I used to look at the Falcons. I didn't know who uh, Foyer uh, Oluwakan was or, if he was going to be on the Jaguars radar, but that shows you that they do deep scouting where we do armchair scouting and, and, and look at the names on the list and people we know, but they go out and get people that are really, really good players. Father Kazi still has a little bit less, a little bit to be desired because the Jaguars still need to be able to stop the run, but yet still they're paying him a bunch of money and he's a big guy. The jury's still out on him, but, uh, Foye Oluokan has been tremendous, as has Jamal Agnew, even though he fumbled the ball in Kansas City, but that's all right. We'll forgive him for that. So the question is, is why have we not learned and why do we keep expecting the Jaguars to go out and sign guys with these big names? When they've had a track record of signing guys that nobody was thinking about that worked. Could the fact that those things worked out, could it be a gift because it worked out and a curse because now a certain GM thinks I can do it again? That's a little bit of a different analogy I'm going to give you, but I can tell you somebody that did that to the point where if y'all remember um, 
the, the GM before Shaq Harris, Gene Smith. Or did he come after Shaq Harris? I think Gene was after Shaq. Gene Smith had this proclivity to go out to small schools and, and, and get these guys that were fines, right? Under the radar. But then he wanted to do it all the time, right? The late, great Bobby Bethard, who did this in Washington when I was a kid, and granted, they won Super Bowl, so nobody complained about it, left and ended up going to be the GM for the Chargers, and he did the same thing out there, and he tried to find all of these guys that no one knew about. You go back to Monty Coleman and Daryl Green, and there were a bunch of people that he got from small colleges, Brian Mitchell, that turned out to be great in the Washington organization, so why fix what's broken? We're going to keep doing that. The danger in it is that you overplay your stroke a little bit. And you keep you keep going to the well when something is looking at you right in the face. So is Trent Baalke and, and are the Jaguars overthinking it? Because teams that they have to get they have to beat got better. The Chiefs got better. I think the Bengals did not. They did not get any better. I think the Chargers have improved themselves, especially if they can hold on to Austin Eckler. So I'm going to ask you this question. Are the Jaguars overthinking it, and are we doing a little too much by being so, if you will, so confident because Trent Baalke has had one really good draft and another draft that's been okay. But I've told you a long time ago, it's more than just picking players because picking players can be viewed as cherry picking if you don't build the right type of team. So we'll discuss that in segment three here on Locked on Jaguars after I let you know that Built Bar is today's sponsor and it is all about Built Bar March Madness. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff and now is your time to make it count go to builtmarchmadness.com that's builtmarchmadness.com one word to vote for your favorites you know i'll be voting for it look man i i i've i've sort of gotten put on this churro and i really really like the churro y'all know i was a salty caramel guy for a long time but i'll be on the the churro puff because it is absolutely my favorite. And if you want the Jaguars to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. You got to try built, built the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're amazing. You won't think they're good for you because they're made with 100% real chocolate. I'm telling you, man, that's all you got to say. Every time I say it's 100% real chocolate, usually that's the selling point. So run to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a bar while you're there you can vote every day in march so hop in and support your pick we thank you for supporting us here at locked on jaguars where it's your team every day and we thank you of course for making us your first listen i got to tell you about locked on nfl draft man if you want to take a deep dive into these draft picks and 
to what these teams might do and even get a mock put on you every now and then. Well, now that some of free agency is gone and some of the positions where you had uh, guys mocked to certain teams, it's changed now because they filled those needs, those needs in free agency. So check out Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts all over the place on all platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft. Um, are they overthinking it? Yeah, a little bit. And, and I'll go on record as to saying it. I've heard rumors of them being uh, attached to Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, we'll see if that materializes. A guy who had six interceptions in the first in his first four years in the league. Uh, there's some familiarity because he played with Tampa, and of course Mike Caldwell was in Tampa. So the Jaguars do need a nickel. I think it'll be a good signing. He has good size on him. He's six feet one ninety five. We don't know if that's what they're going to do. So far, they've retained uh, Dewey Wingard. They franchised. They franchised Evan Ingram. They've re-signed C.J. Beathard. They really have done exactly what they said they were going to do, and what they said they were going to do is they're going to run it back. Basically, they they believe they have a good group. So I want to talk about that part of it when I say when I ask this question: Are they overthinking? familiarity seems like this this word of the day for the last couple of days in free agency where especially in certain situations either assistant coaches or head coaches are going to get guys that they know from other stops the jaguars have decided that what they're going to do is keep all the guys from the one nine and eight regular season the 10 and nine total season of the, all, all the 19 games. And, and that's great. The thinking here is guys are going to get better. Guys are going to improve. That doesn't just happen with age. They have to be somewhere working their butt off right now. But the other thing is, is because those guys will now be in the same system, nothing will be new. Um, they'll have a full year we usually don't like to attach season and say you're going to pick up where you left off because nothing you do now or nothing you did last year is really going to help you. But in this case, I think it will help a little bit because Doug Peterson came in last year with a team that was a little bit broken, probably psychological. I wouldn't say mental, but psychologically broken from a sports standpoint. Had to build trust, had to implement a new system. It took a while and then had to maintain when those guys got down, it was two and six, two and seven, or three and seven, or whatever the record was. When those got down, they got down on themselves. He had to make them believe, man, y'all are good, man. Y'all just have to believe it and we have to execute it and get it done every single week. Well, eventually it happened and it clicked. So now when you come into a new year without digging yourself out of a hole in your head and just the fact that it was a new system and a bunch of new people then it's it's good for you to say, in a sense, what if we could just bring everybody back and we're starting fresh, but now we don't have to spend all of our time building guys back up or an invest investing stuff in them that should have been there in the first place. What if we could just come in, hopefully get everybody in shape, start off with everyone healthy, and start where everyone else is starting? Like do like a quick review, boom, boom, boom. Okay, this is what it is. Now you have more veteran leaders that absolutely know how to move and they're telling the young guys what to do. 
and then you can start implementing things and getting things done and you can actually put more of your program in does that translate into the jaguars actually being as good as they were last year or going further well one thing is needs to be mentioned the schedule is going to be tougher the other thing's going to be mentioned they're adding a pretty significant piece in um wide receiver they're adding a pretty pretty significant piece with calvin ridley right they're losing a pretty significant piece in juan taylor and they've retained some other really really solid pieces so any year where we add a number one receiver with the guy the ability of calvin ridley i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you haven't done enough or you or you're not doing anything that's that i can't do that but what i will say is this the kansas city chiefs are the team that you lost to and they won the super bowl right you played them really really tough I think they got better and I think they're going to continue to get better. And the thing is, is these other teams aren't going to sit and rest on their laurels, even though the Bengals seem like they're losing everybody. They're going to get better. The key is, is how much can the Jaguars actually improve while they're staying the same? And how much weight should they really, really put on the draft now that they're picking later in the rounds, as opposed to before they were picking high in every round, you know, mainly the first round, and they had multiple picks, and they were adding people that would probably have a very, very smooth transition to come into the league. Now, when you look at Trent Baalke's picks past the third round, none of those guys have really done anything yet. So we might be overthinking it a little bit, and we might have our chest puffed out a little too much because we think because the drafts have been very good or at least at the very least decent that this is something that they're going to continue to do. And we can hang our hat on that as well as guys just getting older and being more familiar with the system. I, I think there needs to be a little bit of caution there and don't not improve and get better just because you're subscribing to a formula. If there's a player out there that you think you can plug in and that can help this team that you could give for a reasonable number. Remember you did not resign. You didn't have to give 15, 16, 17, $17 million to Juwan Taylor. There should be some money there for you to add someone and do something that helps this team and not just say no movement is, is, is best. We just need to – that there has to be somebody out there that they like, right, that's not from the bargain menu. Don't you think? Don't you think? I know it's nice to try to subscribe to these preconceived notions of what you should and shouldn't be doing. But is that what this really is? Or do you just sometimes have to have a gut feeling and at least just add one really, really good player? Like that Ogbenaya kid, that Aronco. He signed a, a three-year, $19 million deal. That's way more than they paid Arden Key last year. And it's probably way less than Arden Key wants this year. But a guy like that could have really helped this team and probably really excited folks, not just because we want to win free agency or win the press conference, but because when you watch him on tape, he actually is a quarterback chaser and he doesn't fit. See, this team is already, they've, they've already, they already talk about traits. And we talked before about putting yourself in a box. There's nothing wrong with you knowing who you are and how you like your guys, but sometimes you can have something in plain sight and you miss it because 
of the glasses and the shades that you have on. So let's hope the Jaguars are not doing that. You can find me here every day on Locked on Jaguars hosting your Locked on Jaguars podcast because it's your team every day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen. Stay tuned because if anything breaks, I will have breaking news and more on free agency uh, on tomorrow when the actual free agency period really get started until then you guys take care i'm tony wiggins here with the locked on jaguars podcast and we'll see you next time